0: Today we have a really cool episode. My friends over at SlyCast, Mr. Craig Cohan, and my other buddy, Big Gun Sergeant Doug Greenberg. (laughs) Sorry, I love you, Doug. The three of us got together. We reviewed the movie, The Specialist. I won't say much more about it because that's in the review. Stick around for the end of the episode, but stick around for some bonus material. That's right. So if you already saw our live episode, version of this coverage you can still see it on youtube and you can see me craig and doug in our glory visual glory talking about the specialist but if you already saw that and you're thinking well gee i don't want to listen to this again then skip to the end and you can listen to mike kunda from the yo rocky film tour You can listen to Jeff Ferry, another member of SlyCast, talking about, and both Mike and Jeff are members of the SlyCast podcast, and they crack wise and give their thoughts about the specialist. And then a bonus, bonus material, we have Matt, he often refers to himself now as Animat. So, you got Matt Marchand from Studio Red Band, and his uh, extensive coverage of Stallone and Ramble can be found on the Studio Red Band archives. Message him for details on that. He covers the books. That's right. So, The Specialist, we didn't really talk about that too much. The character is referred to as The Specialist in this book series called The Specialist, and I think it's like 10 or 11 volumes. And Matt does a synopsis of each book and kind of makes you think gee what would it be like if stallone had done kind of a, a la james bond type series of this character and they drew stories from those books so he talks about the artwork and he gives a little synopsis of each book and that's how this huge episode ends so anyways i hope that clarifies everything we love you guys we love that you listen but if you just go over to itunes leave us a five-star review and a, and a little write-up people do love us and it's wonderful to hear because it makes our work that costs a little bit of money and a little bit of time makes us feel good you can also give us a review on our facebook page as well because that also tells your friends and family about our show all right guys love you enjoy the show here we go the review of the specialist
1: It sounds like a Craig problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're live, right? I think so. Standby. I'm just refreshing the page to see if it goes live. Yeah, we are live. So I've got the page up, and I'll just say hey to all of you one. All right, well. So why don't you uh, go ahead? Oh, Jeff Ferry would have uh, already chimed in. Jeff says, I would love to be there, fellas, but I'm stuck on my other podcast. Also, I've only seen 20 minutes in Specialists, and it's horrible, (laughs) LOL. (laughs) (laughs) No arguments here. Uh All right, so why don't we get started with... Hey, Craig, why don't you start?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Weekend Warriors. You guys, ready? This is Craig from the Slycast. I am thrilled and honored to be able to sit down with these two gentlemen to talk the specialist and a true confession time here guys I love the specialist so Whoa. if you thought this was going to be like a how did this get made style Mike Kunda trashing of the movie you guys are in for quite a surprise I think this was from a run of Stallone's career where I think he was making really you know solid choices and I and I think he had sort of refound his footing after some missteps so like I said, man, I love this movie, and I know uh, I know some of the Slycast listeners out there do too, and and have been waiting for this for a while. <laughs> I would also like to say before I hand it off to you, uh, R- Ryan or Doug, uh, I live in a in Las Vegas, as you know, which is a pretty active city. So y- you might hear the occasional siren uh, or mm. fire truck or ambulance or uh, party bus, <laughs> party bus, street fight. <laughs> Um, And I also have two dogs who like to respond to all of those noises they hear. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, going live, you know, I'm normally able to edit around all that stuff. So uh, I did give the dogs some uh, some beef gullets. Once they work through those, they might start to get a little active. I am so happy to be here and and I can't wait to run down this movie with you guys.
0: Awesome. Go ahead, Doug. Your turn. I'm
1: Doug Greenberg. I'm one of the hosts of Rocky Minute, which is a podcast where we cover the Rocky movies in one-minute chunks. You know, each episode we take about 20, 25, 30 minutes to uh, discuss one minute of movie time. So we completed the first Rocky movie. We're gearing up to get ready for Rocky Two, but we've had both Craig... Actually, we've had the whole quartet of the Slycast on our show. Craig, I'm very familiar with your dogs. <laughs> they they made an appearance on our show, Rocky Minute. And um, <laughs> the Pup Patties, right? Is that, is that yeah. what you use?
2: <laughs> yeah, they love the Pup Patties from in and out Burger. Yeah, the Pup
1: Patties. Uh, Ryan also made an appearance on our show. It's funny about the specials because I thought that I've seen all <laughs> of Sly's movies you know, at least once. But I was watching this the other day in preparation for this. And I'm like, I don't remember a single goddamn minute of the show of this movie. <laughs> so I think, I think that I just saw The Specialist for the first time. Uh, did I like it? Did I like it? We'll
0: talk about it. We'll talk about that. We're we'll going to get to about that. It. Did I hate it? The answer is no. <laughs> oh, uh, well, yeah. Hate's a strong word. Just like Rocky said in part five, you know, he, he liked just about everybody. And I like about just everything Stallone does. My name is Ryan. I am part of the Going the Distance, the Rocky series podcast. I can't say any more than these guys already said. I've been on, sort of been on Craig's show. I have I did a submitted recording to uh, Craig's Slycast. I hope to be a live guest one day. And I've been on Doug's Rocky Minute. And we've all, we've all had a roundtable before. I forget which episode it is on all of our shows. But uh, we've, we've had a discussion before. I'm just really excited to talk about The Specialist. So we'll get right into it. This is going to be very, very exciting. Now, let me just give you my story about how or when I first saw it. I did see it in the theaters. I don't know if I guess either one of you saw it in the theaters in 94 or?
2: No, no. I'd have to hit up my brother because he's got a way better memory than me. But I'd like
0: to—I'd like to say that I saw this one in the theater. Okay, so it was 1994, and this is just off the top of my head. I don't know what kind of research you guys did, but research. In, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like okay, it, cost, it costs it costs seventy five million dollars to make, which in today's money is eighty ninety million dollars. Okay, so that's – Kind of a you know it's a mid mid to low a low high or mid low budget it's not too bad ninety million dollar budget we'll speak to where that money went it did make two hundred and ninety million dollars in today's money it made one seventy or something back then but in today's money so it still made a two hundred million dollar profit in and of itself. Not to uh, use the pun here. It wasn't quite the bomb that people make it out to be.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and one other thing is this wasn't the error. I mean, if you look at the top 10 movies of all time now, not adjusted for inflation, they're all movies from what the last five years, maybe. This came out at a time when even cracking 100 million was still a big deal.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In 1994, cracking 100 million, you're like, oh, it's a lot of money. (laughs) Nowadays, it's like, yeah, you want to do that the first weekend almost. What's the budget? The production budget on this? Seventy-five million and ninety-four dollars, which is about ninety million today, and it made two hundred and ninety million in today's money.
1: But imagine that most of the production went towards the pyrotechnics so, explosions.
2: I was going to say probably forty million went to uh, Sharon Stone and, and Sylvester Stallone.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say about twenty-five million went to uh, putting makeup on Stallone's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Save it. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the opening sequence. Let, let's let's get let's dive in here. So the opening sequence, which is probably the best part of the show. The uh, I guess you could say it's kind of like the prequel. We have the character James Wood. Remind me, his name is Ned. Is it Ned or Ted? Ned.
1: Ned. Ned Trent. Ned Trent.
0: Oh, okay. Good job. Look, you got the note. I got notes too, but I forget their names. James Wood's character is Ned. And Stallone's character is Ray Quick. I, okay, this is so 90s. These names, <laughs> nobody's named Ray Quick. Nobody, no one. <laughs> can I, can I,
1: I, I want to interject here. I'm sorry, Craig. No, it's fine. Just real quick, because it has nothing to do with the movie per se. But before we get into it, I just wanted to run through Stallone's character names from the 90s. Okay? Yeah,
0: this, this, okay, exactly.
1: Yeah. We're going to start with Snap's Pro <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's Joe Baumowski from Stopper. My mom will shoot. Obviously, Snaps Provolone is from Oscar. Yeah, well, hey, come on, we know that. There's a uh, Gabe Walker from Cliff. Uh, Cliff. Cliffhanger. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading my, hey. my my amended notes here.
0: That's <laughs> ironic. You actually kept us hanging with what the name of the title. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I left that as a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Spartan, which is my personal favorite, oh. <laughs> Devolution Man. We have Ray Quick. We have Judge Dredd Robert Wrath from a movie called Assassins. Assassins. His damn last name was Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> Kit Latoro from uh, Daylight. Driven. We, we got into more of like a, like an earthly name uh, with Freddie Heflin from Copland in 1997. There
0: you go. Well, yeah, because it was a proper movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just the, uh, the character names. And before that, honorable mention is, of course, Lincoln Hawk from uh, Over the Top. Yeah, that's but, uh, right. Yes, character names, Stallone
0: never lets us down no and then he had robert
2: (laughs) (laughs) me and a friend of mine always had a sort of a running joke going that stallone's just got like a notebook full of names and when it's time to make a new movie he just sort of opens it up and oh i got that one yeah you know robert Rath or whatever it's funny the specialist is actually based on a series of books and the character in the books, and I don't know if you, either one of you are going to get this reference, but the character in the book's name is John Cutter. About two years before The Specialist came out, there was another action film that had a character named John Cutter. So I guess they couldn't use the John Cutter name again. What and was that was buddy? Wesley Snipes in Passenger 57. His
1: name so, was John Cutter?
2: Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
1: I mean there's there's a whole snipe 6 minutes of separation right there with a uh, demolition man.
0: Well, oh, one degree of separation? They were expendables 3 together as well. Another um, you know,
1: shout out snipes and demolition man, another great character named Simon Phoenix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so the opening sequence, we've got Stallone and Woods characters, Ned uh, and Ned and Ray. Ned and Ray. They, they they're wearing their full I love how they're wearing their full military regalia. They're supposed to be like Incognito <laughs>
2: like this is like yeah, a- they're on a rogue mission right
0: <laughs> in army fatigues their dress department is better than the average military member and they're out in Cambodia. <laughs> looking pretty spiffy in their uniforms here i love how they little they have smudges on their face of dirt or oil or whatever it's up to a stallone's character i'll just have to keep saying uh, ray it's up to ray quick for those who don't remember ray quick is stallone's character ray he starts putting these 1994 c4 looking props on the bridge you know <laughs> placing them sporadically throughout the bridge he comes back to tell ned all right the job's done And Ned makes the line that he says twice in the movies, and I want to talk about this. He says, You're the rigger and I'm the trigger. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Now, this is a line that you have to be very careful how you say it, who you say it around.
1: imagine
0: keep it on for five
1: minutes ryan jesus
0: can you imagine if carl weathers Weathers was cast for this role like
1: (laughs) you gotta be very careful there's not a slip up there
0: exactly so this this is a saying that they have obviously had as a buddy duo or whatever but what i love about this is i want james wood's job all he has to do is push the button. Right. <laughs> like, the trigger. Well, he's the trigger. Like, how hard of a job is that to be the trigger? By the way, the
1: second time you said they mentioned it twice, the second time they said that line, I saw it coming a mile away.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, were, you were blown away by that? <laughs> no, I was like, oh, shit, they said that in the first five minutes. <laughs> no, nothing like that. The setup here is the bridge is set up ready to take out a drug lord, I guess. They have the bridge ready to blow to take out this drug lord. And, of course, they see through their binos or whatever that there's a child in the vehicle. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, first of all, there had to be two reasons to do this on a bridge, right? Were they also tasked with destroying a bridge?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. This poor village. This is their only way to get food in and out of the city.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They starved to death, you know, a couple of weeks later because they didn't have a food source.
1: It's ridiculous. Not to ruin anything else from in the future, but they find very innovative ways to blow up other people. Only way to destroy
0: this drug lord is to blow up a bridge.
3: Well,
0: of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they're holding their skills when they became retired from the CIA. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe.
2: And this boy, is I- like the the classic, you know, movie trope, right, where it's. You instantly going to make james woods the bad guy or ned the bad guy because he's cool with killing a kid mm-hmm. you know it's like screenwriting 101 as jeff ferry would say <laughs> boom okay he killed a kid so now we're, we're not going to like him the rest of the movie that's right
1: right off the bat we get a, a taste of who the good guy is and who's the bad guy but nowadays like wouldn't there be some kind of like misdirection or red herring where you wouldn't necessarily know that his friend in the beginning is the bad guy
0: in the end, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. They would have kept a little bit longer that the person that sets up trying to get Ray Quick out of hiding, we find out yeah. much later that it was James Wood's character, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, what, a year later they did Goldeneye, and they pretty much did that with Sean Bean. Hmm. So, there you go. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Sean Bean, rest in peace. <laughs> 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 in every role he's ever played. The kid gets blown up. Yeah, we saw that coming. And then, you know, and the truck falls into the river and, you know, a big special effects scene. Some guy who's definitely not Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about the stunt doubles in this film?
2: <laughs> it's not the first time a stunt double has been exposed. Uh, there's a, a classic scene in Cobra where, you know, if you pause it, and I believe Mike Kunda has a screenshot of this, is you see some guy that's not Stallone. Like, why is he wearing Cobra's clothes? <laughs>
0: I could have been Stallone standing for the film. The guy they picked, they're just both wearing black wigs. That's the only thing similar. But the funny thing about
1: this is like, they insist on a slow motion, close up view of this guy
0: as he's jumping off the bridge. I have a theory. High def wasn't around back then. Mm. Because this came in when this, I was watching this movie on high def on my TV. I rented it for five bucks for two days. (laughs) (laughs) It was on demand this guy falls from the bridge, the big explosion. I'm like, is that one of the bad guys who flew out of the van? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? Why is you wearing Ray Quick's outfit?
1: Oh, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. The, the, like, like back in 1993, when they're making this movie, they're like, that hell, close enough. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> nobody
0: watching this in the future. They had no idea high death was coming.
1: Man. Well, it's not its friend, and that's for sure.
0: So they have a big fight on the rocks, you know, Ned and Ray, because they're different. I want to know what their history was. I think there's a better film here. And the better film here is whatever the events were 10 years previous to this event. I think the better film would have been them as demolition guys or whatever, as uh, bomb experts throughout all their missions. Then they get to this point, like maybe... Two thirds of the way through the film, they have their falling out, and then the last third is them trying to kill each other. I think that would have been a better film and a story. This should have been the third act of an of a better
1: film. You could probably trim a lot of the fat. It's so dense and so convoluted that, you know, maybe you could squeeze that into an act three.
0: They get separated, they go about their marriage. It's very little explanations done here about kind of what happened to each other they kind of just kicked the crap out of each other and then they're like was not even like 10 years later was there 10 years later no it said it
2: said present day right so all of a sudden when i was watching this movie yes
0: 2018
2: yeah i'm like it went (laughs) from 84 to 2018 james looks pretty good (laughs) (laughs) they should have put 84 at the beginning right they should have just put 10 years ago or 10 years earlier
1: yeah yeah uh, one of the things that I was focusing on, and this might be a high def issue <laughs> when Ray Quick is he's got uh, Ned on the ground. And he's over him, trash talking him. He's got these blood droplets falling off his nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, this is it's disgusting because it looks like it, it's falling right on Ned's face. It looks like schoolyard paint.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh,
2: man. Uh, Actually, this is a good point. I think this, what, this brings us to the opening opening titles, right? Or are those before this opening scene? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, we've talked on the Slycast before about movies that Stallone may have directed that he didn't get a director's credit for. And if you look at The Specialist, it's directed by this guy, uh, Luis Losa, Losa, who's a Peruvian uh, director. And he made movies for Roger Corman. And prior to this, his only big movie was
0: Sniper. Yeah, which wasn't after, a bad film.
2: Yeah, and then after this, he made Anaconda and then didn't make another movie to until 2005. And this is one of those movies that sort of screams, like, Stallone, you know, still being powerful enough to be like, just mm-hmm. get me somebody that can set up a camera and yell action and I'll take care of the
0: rest. He has this really... Weird career where he has made some big films and they've made a lot of money. Of course, Rocky Rambo, The Expendables. But what's the? Is it the directors don't want to work with him? Why don't we get the bigger names with him? Why isn't he getting the Scorsese's or the Coppolas or the or even why? a John McTiernan? You know, back
2: then, you know, I'd imagine he made Predator and Die Hard. I totally could have seen like a a John McTiernan. I mean, that's a that's an excellent point. I I think as much as we all love Sly here, I think it's one of those things that it's easier to have a director on set that you can sort of convince to do things your way.
0: I have a little tidbit. This is kind of a spoiler for the interview I did with the Rocky robot creator. The robot
2: directed Rocky Three.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <For Rocky IV.
4: laughs>
0: I asked him what it was like to work on the set with, with Sly, what it was like to have Sly as a director. So I, here I was talking to someone who's legit worked with Sly. And I've talked to a couple of people who've worked with Sly on, on the movie sets. And he says, what everyone seems to say about Sly is that everybody wants to please him. He's just that guy that everybody wants to please, Sylvester. Everybody wants to make him happy because he makes everybody happy. He always is giving gifts, and he gives gifts and time. And, he's and just he works so hard, happy. right? And he's a hard worker, so he leads by example. He's a hard worker, and he leads by example. <laughs> I want to a- read a little bit of trivia that I found
1: about this movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think we we all know that Rocky Three in a way, mirrors Stallone's rise in uh, how arrogant he becomes. Very confident. Confident, arrogant, however you want to cut it. I read this little tidbit. It says, Sylvester Stallone demanded for some of James Woods' scenes to be cut yeah. out of the movie for, uh, and for some of his scenes to be reshot in order for Stallone to have more screen time. The reason for that was because Stallone was worried that Woods would steal the movie away because he was a better actor than him. You know, I mean, if that's not arrogance or... uh Arrogance, that's the only word I can think
0: of. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he, uh, Stallone at this time would have been 48 during this movie, so just six years older than I am right now. Um, yeah, okay, well, okay, well, how old are you there? What are you? You're 40. like 40. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's Hollywood, right? This is the 90s. It's just just after the 80s of the decade of uh, decadence and excess, you know. So, of course, his ego's on the line. Th- th- we all have that in us a little bit, not to say that it wasn't arrogant on his part.
2: But at the same time, we've got, what, a, uh, a year or two earlier, we got Demolition Man, where he seemed to be very gracious with Wesley Snipes.
0: When I saw his movie, let's just be honest, James Woods, he hammed it up, absolutely. This is a hammy movie, but he did a great job as a bad guy. And every scene that he was in was not boring.
1: No, he James Wood's killed at this movie. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing a lot of people complain about, especially like, I
2: don't know why I'm going to start talking about pro wrestling, but I'll start talking about pro wrestling where a lot of wrestlers, they prefer to be the bad guy because when you're the the good guy, you know, you can't do any of the cheap shit that the bad guy does. You know, you can't kill the kid, right? Not that anybody wants to kill kids, but, you know, (laughs) there's more meat on the bone, so to speak. I think
0: it's
1: more fun to be the bad guy. Sure. It's more fun, but you have more room to really stretch the boundaries of how hammy you want to go when you're a bad guy.
2: Absolutely. I will say that I think there's probably just the right amount of James Woods in this movie.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of James Woods, we got Jonathan Howell here on our chat saying hi and chiming in. He said that James Woods should die in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan's my buddy. (laughs) I guess he's not a James Woods fan. Jeff Ferry chimed in here. So he goes, I watched 20 minutes of The Specialist and then inhaled liquid chlorine to try and forget. <laughs> That's good stuff. Jeff should be on here with us. I can invite him at any time yeah. if he wants to jump in. Jonathan really does not like James. He, sorry for calling uh, Jonathan Howell out here. He says that James Woods is a garbage human. I the, well, There was something going on with James, wasn't there? I can't remember. He's... It
2: was he's a, He's very political right now, and, and we're in a very, very contentious political climate, and everybody's yeah. got very passionate views.
0: I'm the only Canadian here, you know. Who's running your country again? What's the name of the guy that's your president? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> so I don't, I don't know anything that's going on. You're a smart man, Doug.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's jump to Miami, present day. And we see uh, Sylvester Stallone. He goes, uh, Ray Quick. he goes to a phone booth. To pull out his portable laptop thing the jiggy. <laughs> uh, I looked it up. It's called like a I forget what it's called. It's like a message board early. This is like BBS Bolton Board System. That's right. Thank you. That was the weekend warrior, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Bull. <laughs> that's right. That was the name, of, yeah, that's right. The name of his web page or whatever, the how to contact him. The A team probably would have used this had they been around in the nineties, I think. Yeah, if you need help and you know how to find them, yeah. You know what I love about the A-Team? These guys were on the run for the government who had access to every way to find them. But, you know, Miss Jones, who ran the corner market, could hire these guys. <laughs> but the <laughs> government could never somehow find these guys. Like, I don't know why they just didn't pretend to be a shop owner and hired A-Team to catch them that way. But anyways.
2: <laughs> this is the a Minute,
0: everybody. We do go on tangents. I do apologize for that.
2: Well, the other great thing was Hannibal's disguises as well. They, they were always, like, the worst disguise in the world. It was like... <laughs> He might as well have just put on like Groucho
0: March, uh, Marx, glasses.
1: <laughs> that was what I was gonna say, <laughs> with the fake mustache and a big nose.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, Hal is just going on about Woods. Gonna skip his avenue here. He goes, Woods ripped Google in April, saying that it lows oh, that Google lows Christians after he noticed that there was no animated Doodle on its homepage celebrating Easter. Okay.
1: Oh wow. A fan of the A team, though. Cheers. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give him a proper shout out. He, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. He hosts uh, the Minute Impossible, which uh, dissects the Mission Impossible movies one minute at a time.
0: Nice. So, That's awesome. Uh, Jonathan's a buddy of mine. Hey, Jonathan. Any friend of yeah. Doug's is sort of a friend of mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love but, Doug.
1: Before we get to the the phone booth, like when yeah. when they uh, when the title cards start popping up, the first thing you see is like that neon the neon sign the neon graphic of the girl smoking the cigarette. Like, right. This crap is what I think of when I think of Miami, whether it's 1993, whether it's 80, 1982, whether it's 2018, that crap, the palm trees, the jerks with the open button shirts halfway down their <laughs> chest.
2: <laughs> I'm glad I didn't wear my shirt with the, the exposed chest today. <laughs> I am. We all, are. we all
0: are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Craig broadcast live from Miami. <laughs>
0: Classic Miami. I was going to say that and Gloria Estefan. We'll yes. Get to later. Oh, yo, yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you catch the speed that the BBS was operating at? 14.4 oh. kilobytes per second. That's awesome. Blazing. <laughs> is that fast enough to do anything now? Well, it's a fast enough to hire a sly. <laughs> this is really confusing because we have to kind of retroactively figure out Stallone and Sharon Stone's character, their relationship, because it's not really explained why they're sex chatting with each other right away. Oh, they they haven't met yet. It would have just taken one simple piece of dialogue in their initial conversation of and I see. She kind of hints at it, like, "Are you going to take this job or not?" type thing. But they didn't. are still not kind of clear of how long this has happened. Because even after seeing this again for the second time or whatever, I was like, "What is the relationship?" I even wrote that down at the beginning. Like, what is the relationship to each other? And I was finding myself wasting too much, <laughs> obviously too much energy on their relationship because it doesn't really matter. I just love how the first half of this movie after. We see Stallone get the crap kicked out of him by James Wood. We never see Stallone talk until he's on the phone again with James Wood. So we just all we do is have an over a voiceover until the hour and seven minute mark of him just like basically talking to Sharon Stone on the phone. No, when's the bus scene? Oh, yeah, hold my glasses. Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) When when did Stallone turn to the (laughs) Schwarzenegger? In 1993. I guess so. So The Weekend Warrior, for our listeners who maybe haven't seen the film, The Weekend Warrior is the name of Ray Quick's website that people can, I guess, contact him and say, Hey, can you, I I want you to kill somebody for me, but can you blow them up? (laughs) (laughs) It almost
2: felt to me like The Weekend Warrior was more of just like an online system for assassins to take work
0: oh so there was other people so you had a sniper specialist you had a strangler specialist and you had a guy who blew up <laughs> i
2: mean in, in in my experience with bbs is that it that was sort of my takeaway
0: and his
1: experience with assassins
2: <laughs> <laughs> the last time i hired an assassin
1: <laughs> you just like you put it out to the weekend warrior site and whoever is interested in the job will take it
0: so for our listeners we should explain the reason why ray quick is a specialist is because he's able to make bombs so pinpoint their. Expl- <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> We're in way over our head here. Can somebody else please explain the specialist's job, please? Because I can't.
1: He, he's able to direct the explosion so it just blows up the intended target and not anybody else around. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: Okay, can you say again, Craig, there's listeners and yourself included who like this movie?
1: <laughs> you gotta, you got, these are the things you have to look past, Ryan. You have to oh. look past this
0: crap. Well, if I keep looking past this, we're going to the credits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well, what I don't understand is why didn't he just rig this bomb... And you know, on their toilet seat at home, or on his doorknob at home, or like, why does he have to do it at a pub? <laughs> like, why make that risk?
2: Well, sometimes you also
0: have to send a message. Oh, okay. look at Craig! Look at Craig reining us in. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Craig's trying right. to, try, trying to keep down the goofiness here.
2: I just finished reading. Um, I heard you paint houses, which is the story of this Irish mob guy Frank Sheeran, who basically confessed to killing uh, Jimmy Hoffa. They're actually making a Netflix movie with Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino called The Irishman, which is based on that story. But so, having just finished that, there's a lot of mob hits in that book. So you know, it's like this one was done to teach so and so a lesson, and that's why it was done here. So,
0: all right. Well, he definitely was sending out a message, but I think the message still would have been received when you know, mafia guy wanted to show up to work the next day, and they go to his house, and he's blown to smithereens on his doorstep without risking you know the public.
2: Well, the other thing is it's anytime a mafia guy gets killed, you know, you're like, well, it finally happened. Right. (laughs) It's not like a postman getting killed or something.
0: We're getting ahead of ourselves to the kill because what's happened right now is they're talking on the phone. Ray's like, I don't know, man. I I don't know, honey. I don't want to do this hit because it's just it's just too much going on with this noise. And I want you to. And then he finds out somehow Sharon. Oh, yeah. So Sharon Stone's character when she was a child. She witnessed the death of her parents. This is like comic book trope. You know, witnessed the death of her parents at the hands of Eric Roberts. Now, a little side note here. Sharon Stone was 36 in this film and Eric Roberts was 38.
1: (laughs) But Eric Roberts was an adult when she was a kid.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) two-year-old Eric Roberts blew her parents out of the water.
2: (laughs) How glorious is Eric Roberts' hair in this movie?
1: Oh, my. I have a whole segment dedicated to Eric Roberts' clothing here.
0: Okay. (laughs) Eric Roberts, for our non-informed listeners, happens to be the brother of Julia Roberts. Yeah.
2: Was he supposed to be
1: Cuban? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, his father, did you hear his father's accent? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I said You're I, going to tell me! <laughs> that's right. I said that the uh, Rod Steiger character was a cross between Scarface and the Godfather.
2: <laughs> it just seemed like a dude that picked up a Cuban accent from living in Miami.
1: Yeah. Rob Steiger, by the way, was uh, born in New York. So... <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: So that whole terrible South American accent. Why was he incapable of doing his shirt up too? Like, come on, <laughs> you're 80 years old, button that shirt up, boy. <laughs> it's I Miami. think that's the age where you earn that. You earn that.
2: You know, there's a lot you can get away with the older you get.
1: I just want to just touch on how bad the dialogue here is Ray Quick, pretty much asks her like when she's going to get over it. And right. she says, when you kill those three bastards. <laughs> and I never thought blood would be so sticky. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man that's so powerful what a powerful image no <laughs> um, has she uh, never had a bleeding nose has she ever had cut her finger like my this. my four my four-year-old nose a blood sticky <laughs>
1: <laughs> at the party when we meet tomas we meet ned we see ned too right now we know that ned is working for the family they know each other right yeah. oh yeah yeah right off the bat we can see that there's tension between ned and tomas Right. Um, When Ned confronts Tomas and says, you know what the dark ages are?
0: The dark ages are what I brought the Leon family out of. (laughs) Did he? (laughs) It's so stupid. It's we're supposed to believe this is some big crime conglomerate family. These, this is the family that runs Miami. That's what we're led to believe. Mm. Craig, you've been quiet. We have been pounding all over this movie. Sorry.
2: (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm just admiring the breakdown of Eric Roberts wardrobe.
0: (laughs) This isn't so
1: bad. You know, he's, he's wearing he's wearing a suit. It's Miami. He's wearing a suit here.
0: I love when Eric Roberts introduces himself to Sharon Stone, and he goes, I take what I want. Yep. He says, uh, a lot's happened since you were gone to her. <laughs> like what?
1: <laughs> like me. Yeah. <laughs> I've happened since you were gone.
2: <laughs> now, guys, here's where I'm going to probably defend Sharon Stone for the first of many times, but I actually think – that I know there's been talk uh, and I don't remember we did a lot of talking together leading up to putting this episode together but I, I remember a mention of Sharon Stone phoning it in I, I believe that's the stance one of you guys took right
0: so somebody on the thread outside oh,
2: of us okay. commented on that yeah she's definitely invested in this movie it doesn't feel like she's phoning it in or taking the money and running and, and there's a scene I'll reference at the towards the end of the movie where I think she really shows some some good acting chop. I'm not a huge Sharon Stone fan by any means, but I do think that, you know, when she was in her prime acting years or whatever, from what, let's say basic instincts to casino, whatever that time period was. Like four um, years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: she was nominated for what, a golden globe?
0: Oh, she's got two Golden Globes in this film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh ryan will be here all week try to <laughs> rod steiger's accent aside i don't think there's many bad performances in this movie from principal <laughs> actors not counting guys that are pushing keypads and stuff
0: so i totally agree with you the acting was not bad at all in fact that's what made the story such a contrast to the acting the acting they brought good acting to a really contrived weak poorly edited show so i feel like there was a better movie there that was trying to come out and for some reason it didn't happen is that the director's fault probably
1: well john shirley wrote the novels and Mm -hmm. alexandra ciros wrote the screenplay yeah from from what i'm looking at right now as far as the actors are concerned you can only work with what you're given right so if you're given poor dialogue you can deliver it as professionally as you possibly can it's still going to come off like cheesy
0: yeah and that's what happened here so
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll agree with you that the performances isn't what I'm going after here.
0: I enjoyed Eric Roberts. I love Eric. I love a good B actor. And Eric Roberts is one of the best B actors out there. Highly underutilized. I can watch Eric Roberts in anything. Okay, let's be honest. If Eric Roberts is in a movie that's crappy, (laughs) he makes it better by being Eric Roberts in that movie. That's true.
2: true. Coming soon, the Eric Roberts
0: cast. Oh, man. (laughs) We'll we'll take our five viewers and get maybe three. (laughs) Anyone out there? They want to catch the cat's name? No. Uh, Timer? Timer.
2: Okay. Makes perfect sense.
0: Well, of course. Here's another trope. You know, we have the strong, silent type, but he's tender to animals. Okay. Mm -hmm. He didn't take it astray. That was some lady's cat down the street that she never saw again. Yeah, he stole. (laughs) He stole a cat. (laughs) Oh, man. The bus fight. Let's talk about that.
2: I don't know how much time has elapsed in the movie. This feels to me like an executive was reading the script and he's like, wait, it's been 15 pages since James Woods beat up Stallone. We need a, an action scene here.
0: Absolutely. Exactly obviously The purpose
2: of the scene isn't to determine that Ray Quick doesn't like knives because he uses a knife at the end of the movie. <laughs> this scene, unless it was to give Stallone some physicality that he might have demanded – because he doesn't get to be incredibly physical in this movie until the end or a studio executive saying we need more action this is too boring totally the action thing
0: right it's a setup scene where we see the the powerful Ray Quick take out five punks on the back the of punks the punks that don't
2: exist in real life. Yeah. You
0: know? That was another thing. Nobody behaves that way. No. And I really wish that he had jumped in to beat up those guys. They were like sexually harassing a girl. And he's like, I'll let that one slide. But a pregnant lady doesn't get a seat. That's where he, you know, brings out the hammer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I thought that was really kind of, it wouldn't be written that way today, but 1994, they were just saying that these guys were creeps, that they were yeah. jerks. But he in today's writing, he would have already beaten them up for sexually harassing a girl. Yeah.
2: But the other thing, and, I, and I've talked about this probably on Slycast, and I know I've talked about it on other podcasts I've done, is it's always hard in like a Stallone movie or a Van Damme movie or a Schwarzenegger movie for these guys to get bullied. I get on that bus and the guys might say, hey, let's screw with this guy. By no means was Stallone as, at his biggest here, but still, he was a guy that was fit. It doesn't he doesn't fit the profile of somebody that you're going to bully. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is always another thing that bothers me in movies like this. So Steven Seagal would walk into a bar and you'd be like, OK, six guys are going to give him a hard time and he's going to kick their ass.
1: The one thing they got right is the guy that was sitting there that jumped in the pregnant lady seat and was telling him to go piss off. He wasn't making eye contact with him. And that's what little jerk offs who want some kind of confrontation. They don't make eye contact with you. He'll just look off into the distance and say oh I'll go screw
2: yeah how and, did the geography uh, of that bus work too because he flips that guy and it's <laughs> such a tight flip it's like cirque du soleil flip it's like a high diver flip
0: he's <laughs> well, like can, so compact in that flip well this isn't the same guy that can like precision point explosives so he can do the same <laughs> when it comes to tossing people <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Grabbing <laughs> one leg. I'm gonna say that he had a little help from the guy because you don't you don't just grab somebody's leg and flip them backwards over a chair like that.
0: Another uh, thing, and, and this is uh, a pre-born identity, Mission Impossible movies last like a few of them, the, and even the Fast and Furious movies. So this is not really Sly's fault, but Sly has always been limited by his fighting skills in the in movies, and it's unfortunate because Matt Damon's not a fighter. Matt Damon is an actor. Mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone is an actor and it's not his fault, but whoever they hired to do the fighting, I really wish they would bring in kind of a mixed martial... Arts. It got better with the Expendables films. I think they did a better job with that. You can kind of see that old 90s and 80s fighting here. It's just like, heavy punch the face, heavy punch <laughs> to the gut, heavy, hi-ya, hi yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just that brute force. There's no finesse, and again, it's just 24 years ago filming compared to, to today, but... I
2: love that final kick through the window, which is just awesome, um, but... Do you think there was a character reason that he took the bus everywhere? Or was it just that he didn't want to deal with having a car that could be identified?
0: I think it's the show that he's kind of blending with the people hard to track, even though, like, they figured out the buses have a schedule. (laughs) 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 And I love how he does, you know, he he beats these guys up because this guy took the pregnant lady's seat. Which is ironic because now he's just throwing a guy out of the window. They got to stop the whole bus, empty out the bus. Everyone has to go on a new bus. Like he's ruined the <laughs> he's ruined the, the experience for the whole people that want to go to work that day. He he really ruined the day for everybody.
2: You know, like, and somebody had to had to had to get that on their desk, right? Somebody had to investigate that because yeah. at this point it's destruction of some public property. Right? Four or five guys got their ass kicked and hospitalized. At some point, somebody has to be trying to follow leads down on this right
0: well this is the beauty of before cell phones nobody filmed this thing it was an you know it was an anonymous beat up in the bus he just walks out gets his shades back on and walks out <laughs>
2: and all the witnesses well, to say he was wearing a hood
0: the transit system no I, doubt
1: has their own police force there would be some <laughs> kind of investigation some kind of incident report
0: part of that transit police force there. No, big. I'm,
1: uh, I'm, not, I'm not part of a transit police force
2: <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that like a diehard knockoff the transit cop
0: <laughs>
2: it was, he was My, speed, right well he wasn't a transit cop
0: no but they would handle that <laughs> all right so now we're going to the first date we're like on the first date with ned and sharon stone's character whose name was ray or what was her name again adrian no that was her that was yeah that was her may. Fake name
1: <clears throat> may monroe
0: yeah adrian was her alias which i thought was kind of weird like who wrote this movie have they not seen rocky it's like <laughs> <laughs> you got an actor who's the most famous in 94 for two films, Rambo and Rocky. And the writer's like, you know, I got to come up with an alias for this character's name. Um, Adrian. (laughs) Nobody knows that name. They they won't make any connection. Like, why would they do that? I don't understand who writes these things. Why wouldn't they just say, call her Tracy or Susie or Pam. It's
2: definitely a take you out of the movie moment.
0: It is because he yells, yo, Adrian, get back here. It's like, whoa. What, what's she doing here?
2: <laughs> if anything
1: takes you out of nineteen ninety four, uh, Thomas's nineteen ninety four fashion with his white shirt with the giant city graphic on the back, <laughs> we'll bring you right back into it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, Doug, bringing in the fashion. Oh man, <laughs> the baggy white shirt. So now Ned is taking quote unquote Adrian, her alias name, anyways, taking May on their first date. At their first date, he. Man handles or beats the crap out of another mafia guy. You got you know during mm-hmm. that scene, as she walks out, he's like, Where are you going? You don't walk away from me ever. Red flag, this guy might be an abusive jerk. He just literally kicked the crap out of this. Is their first date. Now, granted, she's there because she wants to be there. He doesn't know why she's there, you know. But I love this is this is his history of treating women, right? First, so this guy's obviously beating the crap out of ex-girlfriends, let's just say.
1: And he's got a lot of nerve talking to her like that with that hairdo of his. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's beautiful hair. <laughs> it's teased and feathered. I don't know what the hell's going on there.
0: <laughs> well, he's teasing me with that hair, I'll tell you that much.
2: There was half a second where I really thought it might have been a wig.
0: I believe it. I don't know anymore. We know John Travolta wears a straight-up wig, so I have no idea. Sure, if it's a wig, it was a terrible one. I mean, <laughs> Either way, it was a horrible haircut, especially if he chose it. <laughs> okay, let's go to them talking on the, the phone nighttime. again. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. talking on the phone again, right? And so this phone call, we're led to believe he's got like we have here on our ears. So Stallone's character has this, the 1990s trope that we always see in those films, you know, the earpiece Mm -hmm. going down to wherever. So he's talking on a wireless device. Where where is he talking to her from?
2: I almost thought he was listening to recordings. The
0: previous conversations. Yes. He's not
1: talking to her. He's listening. He's all those all those discs are previous conversations that they already had. He's replaying con- he's he's a psychopath.
0: <laughs> yes. So he's had this conversation and he's yeah. listening to it again to just to hear her voice. Because yeah. we see him doing this really stupid workout. What's this Tai Chi workout that he's doing? Do you, you guys catch that?
4: Weird. Oh my
1: God. Okay. Did we catch no, I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's that weird, hey, okay, it was Sloan that doesn't have a shirt off just yet. It's been an hour into the movie. We got to get a scene where he's doing this weird Tai Chi, his shirt's off, the veins are popping. And he's listening to their phone call conversation. And he's fantasizing about her being in lingerie during their conversation. Was that, is that, a, was that a fantasy? Now, she never said in the conversation, I'm wearing undies. He's visualizing this girl wearing nothing but, you know.
2: See, I also thought the purpose of listening back to those recordings, too, it was him still trying to decide whether he was going to really go through with helping her out or taking her
0: or taking the job. Yeah, he was just thinking about helping her out. (laughs) Maybe he's trying to find
1: some clue that it's a setup or something something telling. Maybe Maybe he's
0: analyzing it. Jonathan Howell just said here, uh, fun Doug fact, he has the same underwear as Sharon Stone does, very high cut. (laughs) (laughs) And right up the butt crack. Wow. That's nice. (laughs) I'm visualizing that too as I'm talking to you. That's great. (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) So he takes the job. He finally decides yes because you're so hot. Now, if May was 300 pounds, (laughs) he would never have taken the job. Let's be honest. He took the job because she looked good. Right? We all know that.
2: Well, and the other thing is how selective can Ray Quick be? I mean, he's got this fortified bunker that he basically lives in that's got a whole underground component with a high-tech security system. He's doing hand rec- you know, hand print mm-hmm. analysis. and I mean, it's got to be a pretty costly operation to be Ray Quick. To see him sort of decide on whether to take a case or not, you'd think he'd be like, you need me to blow somebody up? Here's how much money it is. I'm going to do it.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. know why he's being so selective. What is, like, how long is the queue for him to precisely blow people off? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. Okay. Apparently
1: so Apparently, it's an hour in the podcast.
2: And he works only in and around Miami as well. You'd think that he couldn't afford to be selective.
1: Also, call me crazy. If he works only in and around Miami, maybe the investigators can, like, kind of narrow some, down some kind of pattern, <laughs> which would put him out there. I'm just
0: saying. Uh, like, yeah, so now he says he's going to take the job. He has three rules. Rule one, stay away from them. Rule two, I call you, you don't call me. Rule three, if this is a setup, I kill you. <laughs> I don't have a problem with any of those rules. I I wonder what his Yelp reviews are. You know, <laughs> He killed me. <laughs> they can't write Yelp reviews, right?
2: If okay. you're dead.
1: He's also foolish because he only takes his job after he sees the two of them. uh, uh, Sorry, 1994 um, Tomas fashion, the uh, the baggy gray black and shirt, black and gray shirt. Only after he sees the two of them like dancing and him grabbing up on her ass in the club. He's taking it for the wrong reasons, too.
0: Look, everyone's been waiting for our thoughts on the sex scene. So let's just. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was in 1994. And I would have been uh, 18 years old when I saw this. This is pre-internet, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For old man Ryan here. I remember watching this in the theaters. And I was like, th- number one, the shower that they were in. The shower Huge, that they was were in. Bigger
2: than my apartment.
0: <laughs> Huge shower. Oh, my Huge. God. <laughs> two shower heads. But there two. <laughs> I think we lost Craig. Oh, there he is. Does anybody want to talk about the shower scene? Or is it just me? I think our audience wants to hear our thoughts on the shower scene.
2: I got to say that kudos to both of them for being in the shape that they were in. And nobody can ever take this Blu-ray or DVD or VHS away from Sly or Sharon Stone. You know, this is one of those ones that Sly can pop in in 10 years and be like, damn, look at me, look at my butt. And Sharon Stone, I mean, she 36, she was 36 years old in this film. Tremendous shape, tremendous shape. And
0: (laughs) no complaints here.
2: and, And it doesn't seem like there was, too much body double stuff going on. I, I didn't research it.
0: No, I don't think it was. In fact, let's talk about So Stallone was 48 in this film. Sharon was uh, 36. 36. So the 12-year difference, not that really, in Hollywood terms, not that much of difference. I will say this was a pretty erotic scene. And now, This was also during the time of Basic Instinct. Sharon Stone's sliver that she did. You know, the early 90s kind of broke, not these taboos, but they kind of upped the ante with the love scenes. <clears throat> and so this movie was kind of part of that phase of Hollywood where love scenes in the movie were, were a little bit bigger and you kind of expected them again pre-internet so the idea of nude actors was quite uh, interesting to see and I will say that this scene was uh, had more gratuity whether you like it or not than the party of kitty and studs <laughs> it was
1: very gratuitous
0: <laughs>
1: I was deeply upset by
0: it oh please go okay tell <laughs> me tell me why you're upset
1: Sylvester Sloan to me is not a particularly handsome dude. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> He's got a rock hard body. I'll give him that. I, I mean, oh, just just to, just to see him wrapping himself around Sharon Stone, who, in basic <laughs> instinct, Sharon Stone was the focal point of everything. <laughs> in this, it was like Stallone had to be the focal point of the sex scene, and it was deeply uh, disturbing to me.
0: I totally agree. And I'm not opposed to seeing a, a male buttocks in a love scene. It's not about that. It's kind of focused on uh, Sharon Stone as well. You can and hardly see Sharon Stone, though. <laughs> I do love how there was a scene where he straddles her. Yeah. There, well, this is like after the shower. <laughs> I'm not a lovemaking master, okay? But it's not It's not very often that I've straddled a female. But she's lying on her back. <laughs> and I've taken off my shirt above her. <laughs> That's not how it works. And she's cool. like grabbing his chest and he's,
1: and he's like, yeah, you want some of this, baby? It's, but he does that when they're laying in the shower, too. Like he throws his leg on the outside of hers. Like, you don't.
2: Yeah, it's really weird. He's posing for like a nude portrait or something. Yes, exactly oh, what
0: it's exactly. Like. It is. It's, my goodness. Okay, so speaking of Golden Globes, uh, this movie won any Golden Globes, <laughs> it won some Razzies. Yeah, talk about the Razzies that it won.
2: Well, it was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Actor. I I think the Razzies are kind of cheap sometimes. Sure, Um, I agree. Sharon Stone won Worst Actress for two movies this year for The Specialist and then also a movie called Intersection, which uh, starred Richard Gere. Oh, Um, yeah. Rod Steiger was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor. I agree with that one. They tied – Stallone and Sharon Stone for Worst Green Couple with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt for Interview with the Vampire. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then also (laughs) the Stinkers Bad Movies Awards. It was nominated for Worst Picture, nominated for Worst Actor, nominated for Worst Actor Actor, Rod Steiger. And then Sharon Stone again collected a Worst Actress Award for her her work in uh, The Specialist.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's a little bit of easy picking, a little hanging fruit. I guarantee you there was worse acting performances from other actors during that year. It's just Stallone's easy. Sharon Stone would have been easy. Did anyone else notice that uh, the shower was golden? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Go to your room. What? I, what? I didn't say anything. I just, it looks like a, like a scene out of Goldfinger. I don't know.
1: Our our buddy Matt Marshawn wants us to uh, point out the bottle of vodka.
0: Yeah, I almost hesitate to bring this up, especially with the Me Too movement. Like she didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do this the nudity. What kind of, the way the story's told, it's it's we don't know if it's true though. No, it is true. Uh, I know I actually know the source. It was actually a interview that Stallone did on Ain't it Cool News. To questions from uh, people live chatting. And I remember me, that. Yeah, it was actually really great. It's like hours of, like, it's like one or two hours of him, like, giving, like, straight-up chat answers to Ain't It Cool members in 2006. And somebody asked about the scene, and I think it sounds different when you hear the context of how the whole chat was going. Yes, I know the source, Jonathan Howell. It's on Ain't It Cool News. Don't you question me. Anyway, so <laughs> who's this go guy? Jonathan, go to your room. Jonathan, go go to to your- room. Jonathan, go make love to James Woods. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, so, what's this? What's the story? So, this is on set. But yeah, it was on set. So, Stallone basically just said that it's Sharon, and he's actually said that she was being difficult. She signed off to do this scene, however you want to word it, whatever. She was being difficult, and she didn't want to do the scene, uh, the shower scene. Stone's like, I'm taking off my clothes. Everyone's taking off their clothes. Michael Douglas, who started with Sharon Stone and her body in uh, Basic Instinct, said, I use vodka. She took vodka for Basic Instinct. Try using this bottle of vodka for her here. And so the vodka loosened her up is what it was. It says she got a little bit of drinks in her to loosen her up to make her more or less shy. The wording that she uses, she goes, I'm tired of doing nudity. That's why they hired Sharon Stone to be the female lead
2: in *The Specialist. Sure, because if not, there's a dozen other women they could have cast. It's a calculated casting, which the with the idea that you were going to get Stallone and Sharon Stone in a hot sex scene. That was part of how they sold the movie. I, of course, you know, and, and Sharon Stone's kind of an unreliable narrator because. She's talked about how she was duped in basic instinct to do the shot without her underwear on, which is...
0: There might be a little bit of like, I'm more than a naked body, and she's trying to get out of that. Uh, but I assume she read the script. I assume she signed on for nudity. That, that's I, I don't know the movies very well, but I know that when nudity is involved, it's in the contract.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you this. You both have talked about it. If anybody has anything to be embarrassed out about in that scene, it's Stallone. <laughs>
4: And, oh, his, yeah.
2: and his goofy poses and and yeah. all the other nonsense. I mean, she comes out of that scene looking pretty good.
0: Oh, she was fantastic. Uh, there's no complaints. Whatever worries she had, Stallone was definitely the uh, the better actor and helped her make her look better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she couldn't possibly look worse.
0: So let's talk about Eric Roberts' death. How he died. In his high-waisted, baggy linen pants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and Doug, no, that's what he was wearing.
1: And no shirt.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what? The lesson there is just use the hotel room coffee. Don't order the room service espresso.
0: Right. <laughs> right. But I love how May is standing there just before he gets – How does she know the teacup was armed? Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Because that's Ray- a good point because she basically reveals herself yes. in that moment. So she, she definitely knew that that was the – the moment where he was going to be well, taken
0: out, right? She's like, "Just so you know, I'm the daughter of the parents you killed." Ha, ha, when you were two years up. old,
1: yeah. But she didn't even say that. She said, "May Monroe." Before he blows up, e- even later on, it-, it took Joe, his father, five seconds before he realized who the hell she was talking about. There's no way that he realized who she was before he died. Very short-lived. Uh, <laughs> that was you, boom. That was her main thing. Like you, you think that they would have put more of an exclamation point on that?
0: Ray Quick asked her and said, why were you there with a teacup explosive? Because she goes, I want to see his face when he died. That's that's Mm -hmm. that's for me. So, again, we don't know how she knew. But she wanted Um, to see his face. His face
1: had no confusion, no realization, no emotion. It was just him looking at her and boom, that was it. (laughs) That's right. They they didn't drive that home. That's all I'm saying. That was the only
0: flaw with this film. I agree. Yeah, Uh, the (laughs) The only only flaw. (laughs) Can we give a shout out to an actress in this movie that I want to see more of? It Was was
2: it the the female cop that worked with James Woods?
0: Holy, she's hot. Yeah, I liked her. (laughs) Well,
2: not even that. They give her enough dialogue to make her feel like an important character. I
0: think her scenes were cut. She must have been cut. I don't even think she has a name. I was trying to look her up. I think she was cop number three. Hot Latino cop, cop number one. She did a good job in her delivery of lines. So I want to know more of her acting career. And I th- I think whatever scenes that she got cut out of was the ones that James Wood got cut up. So she was kind of a victim of the James Wood scenes being cut out. Cause it seems like she was more, her relationship with James Wood seemed legit.
2: Yeah. Cause she even gets a line at the end when the whole boat Marina or whatever is surrounded. I don't remember what her line was, mm-hmm. but she says a line and you're just like, okay, random actress.
1: yeah Yeah. like why is that in there i read somewhere in the trivia too that like she was shown in the trailer as if she was going to have a much bigger part in the movie
0: that was the original cut with james wood having more parts i bet
1: before stallone got his hands in there
0: what the shower scene (laughs) (laughs) now the
2: other thing and i watched most of this movie before my fiance got home so she watched the end of the movie with me, and I couldn't come up with a, a reasonable answer, and I might have been playing with my phone while this was going on. But was there any specific reason that Sharon Stone would have faked her death?
1: To be off the hook with Ned? Um, we find out that her and Ned are, are supposedly working together, her and James Wood's character. Yeah, yeah. Right? So because Ned wants Ray Quick dead.
2: Yeah. The jig is up in, like, what, four minutes or something? You know, you'd think if you're going to fake your death, what do you do? You fake your death and then you get out of town?
1: Yeah, yeah, you leave. <laughs>
2: you, you leave. I just wasn't sure if there was a concrete explanation, because I said to her, I was like, because she wants James Wood to think she's dead?
1: During the course of the first part of the movie, she started getting feelings for Ray, So she wanted, I guess, her deal with Ned to be off. So her in her own death was to get to get off the hook with Ned. Maybe she was supposed to hook up with Ray and then leave. No, because she still had to kill She no, she didn't even know Joe was behind it at that time. Jesus.
2: <laughs> uh oh. I think uh, I think Doug's about to short circuit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so all right. So Tomas was dead. All all three of the targets were dead, right? Sure.
0: Let's yeah, let's they're all dead now. Let's move on. So she wanted to <laughs> skip, she wanted to skip town with Ray and then right. They have the hotel scene. There's that big hotel scene. Can we just talk about Mm -hmm. where probably $30 million went? (laughs) Well, I I also do want to say
2: that this is the scene where I think Sharon Stone really proves herself to be a a more than competent actress, which is where she comes down from Ray's room and she runs into James Woods in the lobby and his goons. She plays that completely perfect you know, the way she's responding to him, the nervousness that she's showcasing, the way her eyes are darting around.
0: Yeah, like a Black Widow type character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, back from the dead.
3: Ned, you know, I was just going to call you about the funeral thing. Look, I'm sorry, but it's just, you know, it was the only way to really draw him out. And it worked. I mean, I don't have to tell you. You know, I used the attachment thing, and I got him. Couldn't stay away from me. So?
1: I just want to get one thing straight here, May. Yeah. You did all this
5: to deliver him to me.
3: Uh-huh. Ned, we had a deal. I hold up my end of a deal.
5: You're a classic, May. Now, where is he? He's here. I know he's here. Where?
3: He's in the hotel. I
5: know he's in the hotel. Where?
3: Well, I got a key. Nah, I... No, he... No, no, just... no, no. <laughs> no, no. This key? God, look. I mean, I do have a key. He, Ned, he's on a high floor. I think it's like 10. Take her to the car. Or it's 11. Go on. I left my purse in the room, Ned. Ned I have to... Shut up. Take
2: her Ned, to the car. I have
3: a couple of things I have.
2: Yeah. It's perfect, and I think it shows a depth of acting ability that some people just never show. I think that's a performance in this movie, at least, from her, that I would say that's not somebody phoning it in.
0: Yeah, so there's a big hotel scene. People can watch it on YouTube. You can just, like, Google hotel explosion but it's pretty funny to watch the pre-cgi and them falling yeah the guys in the water the building's is going to fall on them he's like ah yeah.
2: <laughs> but then it's like a combination of rear projection where that really shows its age and then also you can tell it's a miniature right. breaking off of the the actual piece falling into the water was the most impressive it didn't cut together with the rest of the scene well at all and who was the architect that designed that <laughs>
0: I don't know. I love how Ray Quick already had this room pre-programmed to blow up. <laughs> like, yeah, it took like five minutes to set that whole thing up. Jonathan's saying that scene costs $45 million, apparently. No way.
2: They should have they asked for a refund.
0: Where are you getting that from, Jonathan? Oh, maybe the whole film. Maybe he's talking about the whole film cost $45 million. Okay.
2: So, that almost uh, seems to me like when you're a kid and you don't do your homework, then you got to bullshit your way through. that's how that scene felt to me yeah like the guy the special effects guy was like oh shit that's tomorrow
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so we get to now we get to the escape ray quick has to get out of the the hotel and the fight off the goons and they fight in the kitchen and this is where we have yeah, he hates knives, but he used one it's a little bit of a nod as he said in the bus he goes oh i hate knives and that's kind of a the Chekhov's knife payoff right here. Yeah, he, he hates knives, but he uses it to kill somebody. And this is also the scene where the stunt double is standing there for like five minutes f- fighting. <laughs> Did you see this guy? I actually put it on pause and <sighs> I watched it slow motion. And I'm like, this guy should have got. You know, is he part of the Screen Actors Guild? Because
1: <laughs> he <laughs> got more FaceTime than
2: I know. This yeah, guy. I mean, you could you could almost make the argument that Stallone phoned it in in this movie.
0: Because he's not, you know, he does his stunts. He broke his neck doing expendables at the age of 60 something. Why, for this movie, guys, was he so I'm not jumping out of anything or doing anything? Weird to me. He's 48. Like I said, he got flipped by Steve Austin at the age of 60 something, 20 years later. But now, for the specialist, he's like, no, I don't want to break my nail. Well, I mean, he was a prima donna in 1994. Maybe that could have been it. That could have been it. There's a funny line, I love this part here. Where at the end of the movie, where Sharon Stone's character is on the phone with Ray Quick, and he's like, You know, you're gonna, you know, like, where are you? And she's like, I want to see you. Because I'm not gonna come see you because you've already set me up, and I don't want to kill you because you've already betrayed me. And then she goes, Do you remember Fountain Blue? This is the hotel, right? This is the hotel that they blew up. Okay, so she goes, and it was it was what a day ago. No, it was like dear. 12 hours ago. It was like <laughs> she you goes, Remember, Do you, remember like, you remember fountain blue. And I like, I wrote, yeah, it was like 12 hours ago because he goes – because then he responds with, yeah, I remember everything. Yeah, I remember, you know, me killing a few guys in the, <laughs> in the kitchen, the hotel <laughs> being blown up. You know, and literally minutes previous, we had a, you know, one-hour love scene in the shower together. And I love how she left the shower early because she takes off and he just gets out of the shower. So she's all dried up. Her hair is done. How long was Ray quick in the shower for? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: Like I said, he's a prima donna. Oh, man. This part really bothers me. And it bothers me about all films, especially here. When she says, uh, remember the note, I meant every word of it. Yeah. And that's when he says, I remember everything. But then he still has to put, pull the note out of, his, out of his pocket and look at it. So us, the idiot audience, yes. realizes yes. she said, oh, don't trust me. They spoon-feed the audience, and that annoys me when they do that shit.
0: Maybe the audiences weren't smart back then. I don't know because I watched this movie with 2018 eyes where we have some very, you know, not complicated, but very intricate you know, shows like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, he he read the note, like, literally five minutes ago as a viewer. I'm not not a woman you can trust. And she goes, remember that note I wrote? Well, you know, I meant every word of it. Me as a viewer, I'm like, oh, great. Now I have to rewind. They go back to the hotel scene. (laughs) See what the note says. (laughs) I got to run
1: five minutes. No. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'd actually like to talk
2: about, um, I guess there's the, the one scene where they're trying to track Ray because he calls. I guess they put an alternate ad. They're not able to use, I guess, the, the Weekend Warrior or BBS because they don't know about it. So they put, yeah. what, like an ad in the paper or something?
0: Yeah. But yeah, he's got, He's well, he's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. <laughs> you know, is this <laughs> is this where, Ned, where Ned flips out.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, like a marquee uh, James oh, Wood scene in this right. movie. And it's great to watch Stallone sort of pushes buttons. You know, you get to watch Ray ramp up Ned, and then Ned just explodes, and it, it culminates with him, like, ripping the tape off of the recorder. And then the hot Latin girl, number three or whatever, she, she says a line that I don't remember. But I, I think that's a, a standout James Wood scene. Come
5: on, talk to me. You sell your service to the highest bidder, won't you, you stinking nugget. Yeah you killed your bombs how many 10 50 100 before you lost count with your bombs on the bridge in bogota your bomb in the cabana but you're getting sloppy ray you broke your famous code didn't you you killed an innocent bystander ray and it's just eating you up inside isn't it well you're always too insensitive. but guess what i'm coming ray i'm coming to take all the pain away i'm gonna cut right out of you and i'm gonna close your heart in my hand i'm right behind you and i know you i know you you got no mercy you got no loyalty and you got no code listen to me you son of a bitch time's up 58 seconds right right god right god damn it son of a bitch I'll, i'll vaporize your ass what are you looking at
1: turn around nobody says a word. Now you
5: tell me that you got a trace. Just tell me. He jumped off before
3: we uh, locked him. Okay. We got a partial trace.
5: Shut up.
0: And we needed more of those scenes between Sly and James. I think, I think Sly did a great job there with the phone call conversation. The only thing he didn't say was, I'm coming to get you at the end of the car. Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> he should have, like, squeezed the receiver. You know, Ned, I'm coming to you. <laughs> Lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a good scene. Put it this way, more woods... The phone call conversations between Sly and Sharon Stone's character weren't very good. They should have just met up earlier. I think. I think that would have been a better film too. They should have met up earlier. He should have agreed to the the mission earlier. That might have tightened the film up a little bit.
1: They were really kind of drawn out, weren't they? It was it was all like like underneath that cheesy saxophone slow sax love music.
0: Oh, horrible soundtrack! The soundtrack was horrific. <laughs> this film was made in an era where you were
2: still getting full orchestral. Mm -hmm. you know soundtracks whereas nowadays unless it's a really you know unless Hans Zimmer's doing it or something you're getting some guy with a synth that's just hitting patches and the opening titles of this movie there's a nice orchestral vibe I don't remember any other music until we hear Gloria Estefan at the end
1: you know who the music supervisor was on this well no Doug (laughs) (laughs) Emilio Estefan Jr aka Gloria Estefan's husband
2: Uh, oh wow Getting back to sort of this whole task force that might have been charged with finding who this mad bomber was, Ned had to know that most of these bombs were being set by Ray. So the thing I don't understand is when Ray got on Ned's radar in Miami and how Ned ended up being a cop.
0: How did he become a cop? Is that what you're asking? Well, I'm just just overall like. Yeah, well, he was put in by Crooked Chief (laughs) to work on the task force. I think it's what it was. Yeah, the crooked chief. Was that mentioned? Yeah, they had a meeting with Ross oh. Steiger. and this t- Yeah, he paid off the Chief early on. That was a good it, call. It,
2: it must have been before the bus scene when I was bored and playing with my phone.
1: One <laughs> 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 of the, the parts I, I love about this, this scene before the uh before the Ned rant, which James Woods rant is a plus. I friggin' love it. You got the one guy. You know, Oh no! You, maybe this is after the rant.
0: It doesn't matter about the order. That's fine. We've gone a little bit. This is fine.
1: All right. The other cop that he's he has listening to the audio of the phone call. He's like air brakes, complex sounds, slightly muffled. <laughs> people talking, climbing downstairs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. voices, mechanical sounds, and then right. And then Ned goes, people getting off a bus. Like it was a bad game of <laughs> <Yeah>. password. <laughs> that's like strange. the first guy
0: was giving them
2: clues some right. serious detective work
0: yeah oh, <laughs> man. it sounds like a city people live there uh i hear walking i hear some talking a door is open I love how at the end here where James Wood's telling all the cops that are surrounded the warehouse, don't shoot. This place is wired. Don't shoot. But Ray Quick is like blowing things up everywhere. Like none <laughs> of the explosions seem to trigger other explosions, but a gunshot would.
2: He wanted Ray Quick alive so he could deliver him to Rod Steiger.
5: Oh,
0: look at you. Okay. All right. Because Rod Steiger, of
2: course, wants revenge in person because he killed his son. And you his bring
0: heir. him to me alive. <laughs> I love Ross Steiger's death at the end.
1: You bastardo, (laughs) Bastardo! (laughs) You think that my son...
2: (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, and I think this is another case of poor filmmaking or poor blocking or whatever you want to call it. Did anybody else expect the sort of Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees horror movie trope of like, James Woods coming back for one last sort of, you know, scare, jump scare before he's dispatched. You see him sort of get – he doesn't get blown
0: up. He just gets thrown like hmm. – I, I love his death scene. Highlight of the movie. There's two, oh, man, there's two death scenes that are grave. The first death scene at the parking garage where the guy like – Rockefeller is up but he's oh, still in his chair.
1: Oh, God. On fire?
0: <laughs> we see earlier that Ray Quick is able to minimize – to direct the explosions, you know, at a club – Who's to say some lady wasn't walking her dog in front of that parking garage and that explosion goes off? You know what I mean? Because anyway, so this car explodes at a parking lot. He shoots up in his chair in a fireball. That was actually a great. Like an uh, ejector seat. Yeah. And he's still kind of like he's melted to the seat apparently because he literally rocket fuels out of the car still attached to the seat. But I don't I don't think that would
1: happen unless the explosion is coming from underneath you. <laughs> like You wouldn't
0: sh- shoot straight up in the air if the explosion was coming at you from the side. Well, hey, Ray Quick, man, he's precise. However, he does it is precise. <laughs> oh. James Woods, Jesse. So I was actually legitimately, oh, they're actually just he's just dead. It's just kind of like he got blown over the place. and he landed kind of in a ball of fire. And yeah, he's dead. Yeah, there should have been that last
2: bit of coverage where you even just see like, you know, a shot of James Woods that just shows that he's dead. I really expected him to come back for that final jump scare where Stallone maybe has one last bomb that he activates or whatever.
0: Yeah, was oh, good. I actually kind of thought that was good. And then we get to Rod Steiger's death, which was... Basta
2: Cherry on top. Cherry <laughs> on top of the Specialist Sunday, my friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is there any last thoughts you guys want to say about this uh, film? Do we want to give it a rating? Do you want to give it a recommendation? What's your, what's your final thoughts? Doug? As bad
1: as I heard that it was, by Jeff Ferry especially, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. The no. acting wasn't my problem, but I was really kind of honing in on the whole 90s cheesiness of it. I always said that the problem with 80s movies was how over the top action they were, but the 90s were no different. Yeah, does this movie have a lot of holes? Absolutely, but it wasn't unenjoyable for me. I laughed at parts that probably, you know, that weren't meant to be funny that I thought were. And I appreciate that about a movie, you know, it's cheesy and and you know,
0: I enjoyed it for what it was. I hadn't seen this movie in 24 years and I didn't know until I saw it again maybe why that was because I did see it in the theaters and I've re-watched a lot of Stallone films and this is one that I hadn't re-watched. Now I can kind of see why. It hasn't aged that great but I'm watching it through an older set of eyes now than, a, than an 18-year-old's eyes, right? I think there's a better movie that was under there. I think under, the, under a better director, the tighter script with the tighter editing, I think there was a film in there that was aching to come out and I don't know what happened to it uh, I really hope it wasn't due to some actor scenes getting cut out that could have been a better film. I recommend it as a Stallone fan, you got to see this film. You can't be a Stallone fan and say you've never seen The Specialist. And I think you'll have a lot of fun. There was times that I literally enjoyed watching this film. Chris just chimed in. Chris, welcome to the show. He says, I never saw this movie. Now I want to. Thanks, guys. So there you go. The Specialist man on demand. This this movie's going to make money this weekend. <laughs> yeah. so buddy and
1: and uh, Jeff Ferries podcasting partner chris yeah.
0: oh okay cool i've
2: always thought and i'm always surprised stallone fans sort of call this one of his lesser films i think it's really hard to find three movies in a row that stallone did that all deliver and i think with cliffhanger demolition man and the specialist they're a great trifecta of films i, I really think that stallone had, had hit his stride after the missteps of Stopper, my mom will shoot and, and oscar
0: we'll cover that one next
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing I really like about this movie is it's got a different feel than a lot of Stallone's movies. You've got the the unique Miami setting, but you've also got the relationship with the Sharon Stone character, which, aside from the, the Rocky movies, you don't really get relationships in Stallone movies too much. I kind of like that. It was Stallone able to act with actors again oh, or whenever – Escape to Victory came out. It feels like a story that could have been made uh, into a movie in the 70s, and that's what I kind of like about it. It's, it's got a really unique feel for a Stallone movie, except for the goofy, shoehorned-in bus scene. And that's the thing that I've always respected about Stallone, is he'll miss a lot, but you got to always commend him for taking the shot. And I think this is a movie where I, I think everybody went in with good intentions, and it's not a hard movie to watch not a boring movie to watch you've got some great performances from really solid actors you've got the great eric roberts fashion show the glorious hair that great rod steiger cuban accent this is a can't miss movie i don't like you said i don't think you can talk stallone films without without having seen the specialist and i think this is the end of a really good three film run which a lot of actors don't even get three films no true yeah um, mm-hmm or even have that opportunity. So I, I think it was a really good time in Stallone's career. I enjoy this movie. I enjoyed watching it again, and I didn't delete it off my DVR. It's it's still sitting there. So,
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that's nice. awesome. Before we head out, guys, just want to say thank you to both of you for doing this with me and me doing it with you and all that good stuff. I'm going to throw this out. I threw it out to Craig, but I'm going to throw it to you live, Doug. I've named this episode Three Rocky Podcast Hosts, One Movie Breakdown, Is this something you want to do again, the three of us? Do you want to do this again? Totally. Absolutely. This was a blast. Okay. So what we can probably do is maybe in the comments on this video or on our Facebook or whatever, ask the audience what they want us to break down next. And uh, I think it'd be kind of fun to do. We got Craig Cohen from the Slycast podcast, the godfather of Sylvester Sloan podcast. So Craig, thank you for being with us. We got Doug, (laughs) big gun Doug, sergeant, big gun Doug. (laughs) greenberg from uh <laughs> yeah he's from the rocky minute show please listen to that show the rocky minute as well so you got the Slidecast, you got the Rocky minute and of course uh going the distance the rocky series podcast thank you to all of our listeners the guys that chimed in live i think that's great and add to the show so we'll do this way again if you guys want
2: thank you for doing this guy i know doug and and, and ryan you guys both did a lot of heavy lifting to make this happen I continue to be inspired by the amount of Stallone content that is out there now, the options that people have when any of our shows are idle. There's always somebody out there that's putting out new content between you two guys and all the excellent work that Matt's doing with all of his Rambo mania related stuff you know just because one of us goes quiet for a little bit doesn't mean there's not somebody else out there offering up great content and if you haven't listened to the first season of Rocky Minute make sure you do because you're going to hear every member of the Scicast. you're going to hear Ryan and Ryan with the Going the Distance podcast they think you guys did something really unique it's just awesome I've always been inspired and the amount of friends I've made through podcasts is immense to have this even like insulated stallone podcast community is even cooler and uh, i'm so happy to be part of it and i love chatting with you guys it was so much fun
0: that's awesome let's end on that note ding ding
2: okay craig back here and i gotta say that was a ton of fun chatting with Doug and Ryan about The Specialist, and I can't wait to sit down with those two guys again and uh, run down another movie. But we're not done with The Specialist yet. We still have a a segment coming up now from Mike Kunda, which will be followed by Jeff Ferry's thoughts, and then we're going to finish things off with a presentation from Matt from Rambo Mania. So, enjoy, and thanks again for listening.
4: Okay, so... Sylvester Stallone's The Specialist. I can't exactly say that I hate this movie, as I really don't hate anything Stallone does. I just think sometimes we really don't need to see our heroes in sex scenes. I mean, sure, Sharon Stone was very pretty, kept herself in good shape. Sly, of course, always keeps himself in shape. But there's just something you never need to see. Like, I don't ever recall seeing a John Wayne sex scene in a shower. You know, it just doesn't work for me. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if I see Rocky or Rambo in the shower. All I know is I didn't want to see that. Now, as far as the Oscar-winning actor James Woods goes, did he win an Oscar? I'm not sure. Uh, James Woods is basically the Charlton Heston of this movie as far as overacting is concerned. Eric Roberts. I don't know. Eric was okay. Uh, He was okay. Rod Steiger playing the mob captain. uh, I don't know. Did I really believe he was the mob guru? Uh, Probably not. Um, I like the cat. What was the cat's name? Timer. I thought that was appropriate. I love the fact where Stallone's character lives in that warehouse thing. That's kind of cool. It's always excellent watching Sly get a workout in, even if he's stretching to some type of sexy mood music, which, again, I don't necessarily know that we needed that. Uh, I like the big explosions at the end. Um, I remember seeing an interview once with Sharon Stone, and she was actually jumping in those scenes that we do catch in the movie. Those explosions really rocked her. And, of course, Sly stayed very cool and calm. I wonder if he got a little nervous, too, around pyrotechnics. I'd be interested to ask him that. Uh, I know in First Blood, in that scene, when he's running into the mine, I know he nearly loses a thumb from one of the squibs going off. Anyways, Uh yeah, I don't really hate this movie as much as I've only probably seen it about 15 or 20 times. Now, that may sound like a lot of times to you, but in my world, that ain't many at all. Now, when you compare the fact that I... Watched the original Rocky well over 600 times. Anyways, um, Craig, you shocked the hell out of me by loving this movie so much. But, hey, I won't hold that against you. Anyways, uh, I really don't have much to say on it except being a little goofy. At the end of the day, I guess I have to admit, I'd rather have this movie than not have it. Oh, one other thing. The only other thing that really sticks out were the gadgets. Gadgets like that little gizmo, calculator, word processor, computer thing that he carried around with him, uh, they actually had that, and I think that was called a wizard, they actually had that at one of the of Hollywoods I went to, and I remember seeing it up close, thinking how cool it was, uh, not that I would know how to use it, uh, anyways, hopefully this isn't too rambling, although you all know I can ramble, all right, fellas. Wish I was there for the YouTube thing. Let's do the YouTube thing when we look at Rocky Balboa. That would be an epic thing I'd like to be part of. All right, guys. See you later.
3: Hey, everybody out there. It's Land. This is Jeff Ferry. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be on this episode, but uh, unfortunately, I was on assignment. So I had to miss that fun that is the specialist. So just real quickly, my thoughts on the specialist are my thoughts are I've, I've, I've only watched 40 minutes of it because it's not a, it's not good. It's not a real watchable thing. From what I can see, it falls into that bad spot in Stallone's career where he can't decide whether he wants to make a movie that's reality or that's hyper reality. My example would be Rocky is a movie based in reality. Rocky four is a movie based in hyper reality. Therefore, you can like both those movies for separate reasons. The specialist is trying to be serious, but is failing on almost every level. Um, The acting is not great. Um, It's poorly, poorly directed. I didn't recognize the director's name, and there's probably a reason for that, because I'm sure it's another one of these ghost-directed Stallone vehicles. It's in a real bad time in his career when he's in between. He's not quite sure what he wants to be in this movie is just it shows what happens when he's there's not a good script or a good director or somebody that knows what they're doing. I mean, in this time frame you could come up with something like the specialist, which is garbage, or something which is fun and, you know, take them a little lighter, which is like your demolition man's. I don't have too much else to say about it, except uh unless you're a Stallone completist, you really don't need to watch this. Hopefully I'll be back on next time. Uh, Was there anything else I wanted to say? Oh, one thing that would have really improved this. There's only thing I could think of that would have possibly improved this if you would have taken out James Woods and replaced him with Mark Rylance. I'll see everybody on the next episode of Slycast.
5: Hey, this is Animat Investigations from Studio Redman. And you're watching the Slycast's Specialist Special featuring Roundtable crossover events with Craig Cohen from the Slycast. Ryan Rubalkin from Going the Distance, the Rocky Podcast, and another Rocky Podcast specialist, Doug Greenberg from Rocky Minute. Three great guys from three great shows, and you got them right here. Who could ask for more? So seeing how the guys are handling all of your Ray quick needs this evening, I thought it would be cool to go back and take a brief look at the original John Cutter franchise before Mr. Shirley adapted it from golden pages to the silver screen. Credit to Greg for turning me on to this one. So let's take a quick walk through the original adventures of Jack Sullivan and the awesome pulp art covers that turned readers' imaginations that teased them upon the shelves, much like another Stallone-owned franchise coming soon to Animat Investigations, the long-going executioner Mac Bolin series. With Rambo 2 rumored origins, you'll just have to wait to uncover. So can't wait to get to that. The only mystery here is that I tried to unearth the cover artist, but just couldn't find that much information other than the initial C. But can you imagine Stallone returning to this series? Maybe even as a series itself because Jack, to my understanding in the old books, looks a little bit grayer and a little bit whiter and maybe whiter hair that is. It would be perfect for Stallone's, you know, aging and all those years of experience to become the biggest action hero of them all, as we will see, time's limited. So here we go, only taking a look at the brief synopsis teased on the covers themselves. Number one, a talent for revenge, 1984, the one that started it all, and the toughest action hero of them all, Jack Sullivan, is a match for any killer. On the cover, Jack's standing on a castle parapet edge, firing an AK-47 while a ship behind him, below. X bursts into flames. Number two, Manhattan Revenge, 1984. On the cover, back against the wall of a rubby apartment, gun strapped to chest, firing an Uzi at the enemy while the place burns down around him. The toughest would-be killed hero slugs it out with the most murderous crime boss the rough city has ever spawned. Number three, Sullivan's Revenge, 1984. On the cover, in Green Beret sporting rucksack and Uzi, stalks through the jungles, unsuspectedly about to tripwire a dual grenade trap as Jack Sullivan, the toughest action hero of them all, teaches a terrorist network just how many ways to die there are. Number four, The Psycho Soldiers, 1984. Out to blow away a cult of killer happy crazies, submachine gun cannon in hand, Jack ropes down a city street apartment at building, firing his on his targets inside the window. Number five, the Maltese Vengeance, nineteen eighty four, the toughest action hero of the mall. Jack Sullivan swoops down. On an island of vicious evil, we got Jack roping out of a chopper, scoped M16 ready, firing bombs, illuminating the skies around him. And an ally watching his descent from the chopper above. Here we go. Number six, halfway there now. The big one, 1984. My personal favorite on the cover, Jack Sullivan fighting a shark with a hand grenade. Come on, Stallone fighting a flippin' shark. Take my money. Out to destroy the Caribbean fortress of the mob's most vicious drug and sex ring slaver. Sounds a bit like Rambo 5 to me. Number 7, The Vendetta 1985, also sharing a Rambo lost title. This one reminds me... Those This Is Us episodes. Jack Sullivan crawling out of a burning overturned car. Fire everywhere. The toughest action hero of them all teaches the New York Mafia the true meaning of terror. Number eight, one-man army, 1985. We're going back further now into 1985. Trading blows with a gun-wielding enemy psycho in a subway tunnel. Train, train approaching. It's going to kill them both. And synopsis on that wonderful cover, out to falterize a deadly hitman on a bloody chase from New York to Sicily. Imagine that. That's a long chase. Also kind of reminds me of a Rambo Five Lost script where Rambo fights another Rambo across a city. He like literally fights this guy. It's kind of like Homefront, but he fights him from like one edge of the city all the way through to the other side. In a fight where Rambo just can't seem to win. Number nine. Did I skip one? No. Number eight, one-man army. All right. Number nine, Vengeance Mountain, 1985. The cover sees Jack Clutch sliding from a cliff face. He's, like, sliding off the cliff. Rifle across his back. Will he make it? Synopsis says he plunges into the Yucatan jungle to rip apart a viper's nest of sex and slaughter. Wow. Wow. Number 10, Beirut Retaliation. Almost done now. 1985, Jack Sullivan evens America's blood score with a terrorist army murdering our Marines in Lebanon. Cover holds an injured Sullivan fighting a Tommy gun firing enemy inside the cockpit of an airplane while the pilot looks on. And finally, concluding the series, number 11, American Vengeance. I like how it kind of teases the first book here in title and in spirit cover showcasing jack bursting through a window uzi blazing with the final synopsis jack sullivan the toughest action hero of them all is revved for sleigh time in paris as he takes on the ultimate terrorist killer back where it all began there you have it amazing how he could get 11 books in in only two years, maybe three years behind the scenes. But anyway, the only um, artist I could find, it had the initial scene. It, it kind of looked like scribbly, like canon or something. I'm not sure. Look it up for yourselves, people. And thanks to the guys for having me uh, in on this. And thank you for listening. So see you at the Mega One episode epic, Judge Dread. And now, back to the Slycast. And the... Uh, mega crossover event.
3: How do you feel? Better.